0: I think the the funniest thing is when your lights are set up to do something that is completely out of your control. Oh yeah! Like for example, there w- there was a you you guys know the if yes if this and that and you there's a you can set up a recipe on that. So it's like whenever the International Space Station flies overhead, make my Philips Hue lights have a party.
1: Totally unrelated. But of
0: course, that happens a several times a day, and b without any kind of warning whatsoever.
1: that would be cool i mean
0: yeah i don't know i think if you set up like loads of weird conflicting ones as well so that i you you could very easily make a mess with this totally uh, yeah for for great comedic but very little practical effect This is The Critical Channel, a podcast about engineering leadership, software architecture, organizational culture, and several other of those very easy problems. My name's Kieran Patel, and this week I'm joined by Italo Vietro and Maxime Kravitz to talk about knowledge silos.
1: So I have this Google thing, and um, I said, hey Google, play some, you know, some nature sound. And it started. (laughs) We have uh, several hundred
0: listeners now who are now like yeah, listening to sorry the sound for that, of the guys, Sorry
1: for that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so the nature sound started, and you know, I went to sleep and my wife went to sleep, and it was all good. It was about like two a.m. in the morning, and then out of nowhere, monkeys start screaming very loudly in the in the thing, and they were like, "What the f- is going on?" And she wakes up, and and she's like, "Hey." Where, where is the sound coming from? I was like, I, I don't know. I couldn't process. My, my mind was just blocked. And then it came to me. I was like, oh, right. It was right. like a
0: two-hour thing of nature sounds, <laughs> yeah. and then it moved on to the next track. Yes. Yeah, okay.
1: And then it came to me. I was like, oh, right. The Google thing. Right. So that was scary. I, I never use it anymore. Um, But it, it, it's enjoyable. You try it. Sure. <laughs> if you don't wake up with like monkeys at night, that's uh, that is progress.
0: I've been woken up by a lot of things, but monkeys is not one yep. of them. So uh <laughs> it's definitely a life experience that I've yet
2: to have.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not a good one, I can tell you that. Shall well, I mention
2: Chaos Monkeys that you yeah, definitely you have been woken up by? <laughs>
0: yeah, true, actually. You have can you make a combination. Ever done of any, any Chaos Monkeying stuff. Uh like re like really done it not just had a colleague who happens to also be a chaos monkey but right
1: <laughs> i was part of one experiment i was not the the one making it but I was part of one in n26 when i used to work there and that was super cool actually like so they brought some someone from external parties and they set up all this ca- chaos monkey um system and actually you know connecting to aws and so on and so forth and um Yeah, the experience was great because the reports are really nice in this tool. I forgot the name of the tool. Gremlin? Is that it? Was it Gremlin? Yeah, there you go. Yes. Um, So the lady that actually made that tool, um, she was there and she was like consulting with us and and, and actually like just helping us. And in the day of the execution, because my team was one of the ones that were actually controlling the infrastructure, um, we were... You know, we were just watching what was happening. It was like great, like machines going all all over the place and destroying connections, VPCs going crazy, um, <laughs> subnets going crazy. It was great. <laughs> it was nice.
0: And were you, was your system able to kind of self-heal? Nope. For the most part? No, nope, It nope. just died. Okay. <laughs> it was still good to see it, <laughs> but no, no success. I love the, the concept of um being prepared through, like via kind of war games essentially like having a way of uh of you know we'll we think we've built resilient systems we'll hope we've built resilient systems but actually being able to kind of empirically and scientifically test like these are all the things that well these are all the things that we can think of that could go wrong and there's always something else that ends up going wrong and and setting fire yeah. to everything yeah also unpredictable
2: uh, I think
0: shark attacks, for example, on the network lines, undersea, right. undersea under network sh- cable shark attacks. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's I, a
2: actually those. I think people do usually test deliberately, but whatever we build, usually we're like, oh, we have three AWS regions. You would never think of testing this until yeah. like very late in your career or in the existence of the system. Like, yeah, we have that. We have this. We but three copies of whatever everywhere so it's got to be resilient it has nope. to work <laughs> yeah
1: that that so is how do,
0: how do you test a shark attack do you have to like make a robot shark and send that down? To
2: <laughs> no 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 do you, you...
0: and if so
1: where do i get one <laughs> yeah that would
2: be nice but i guess they just disconnect the cable on one of the ends and then
1: or exactly uh, but... i prefer the robot
2: <laughs> yeah me too but man i think at last time i heard just this little thing that actually digs the cable like the, in the, the ocean machine, bottom right? yeah the, the thing yeah. that was about two million bucks and Whoa. that thing was so cool it is actually connected via cable maybe now it's even wireless and it steers the ship
1: oh that's nice <laughs>
2: yeah this, this tiny robot that so they lay the cable on the bottom of the ocean first and then this thing goes the ship, along yeah. the cable and it digs a little so you basically
1: uh, do nothing you just stay there enjoy your your ride and that's it and the, the machine does everything for you yeah
2: kind of a, a funny Great. thing uh, when it came
1: that's why we like automation yeah right?
2: yeah <laughs> when it came to splicing part like they show you this huge orange pipe i don't know it's like 20 centimeters 20 30 centimeters in diameter And then when they unpack everything, there are, like, several layers of insulation and a bunch of other things. And then you just see the normal optical cable. Oh, yeah. And they splice it using normal splicers and they weld it using normal welders, the same welders we were using when I was working for an ISP, just, like, the same. I think Sumitomo is the most well-known Japanese brand of this. And like, huh, that's not rocket science. It's the same thing, essentially. Just
1: wrap it around a bunch of stuff just to protect from shark bites.
2: Yeah, it's, it's just like the amount of effort they need to put to dig it out in case there is an emergency, you have to unpack everything, and then it's like you weld it 15 minutes, you're done, and then you pack everything back. Right. So
0: you guys, I feel like there's an opportunity here.
2: Building shark robots? Because,
0: <laughs> well... It could go one of two ways, right? One is, yes, we could build shark robots. I feel like we can make a lot of money in that market. If you're selling the, the cable-laying boat thing for 2 million euros or whatever, I feel like you could sell a shark for more than that
2: because it's cooler.
1: Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Imagine the shark submarine.
0: Oh... <laughs> Well, the man you're actually inside it, but it looks like a shark. Yep, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> looking out through the yes. eyes, it's like a oh, hammerhead shark, and you can see. <laughs> or uh, option two is um, I feel like, uh, you know, the fact that sharks attack these cables and and they just have to kind of be passively defended against them with you know tough unchewable outer layers and things like that. I feel like that's not proactive enough. I feel like we could, you know, maybe attach harpoon, like automated harpoon turrets or something. Isn't this kind of mean to, <laughs> to- sharks
1: though? Oh, there's gonna that's gonna blow up I mean, a if whole they're gonna different thing to my on- internet. If they if if
0: they're going to take my YouTubes away,
2: <laughs> then
0: I'm going to harpoon a
2: shark. <laughs> and you're going to be watching it live. <laughs> yes. Using you using the you same could. cable as like you and you know an as soon as it breaks on- through the cable, <laughs> that translation goes away.
0: <laughs> so uh yeah how's about this segue onto a topic
2: yes please sharks. which
0: which is knowledge silos it's not sharks this is this this is uh how to segue onto a topic yeah i mean that didn't work no, no. It,
2: it it did <laughs> we can always just let's pretend we can did. always just start with the thing and
0: you know, I have no knowledge of how to segue onto our topic, and that's why our topic is knowledge, knowledge silos. silos. Have you guys been siloing away the knowledge of how to make a good segue onto a topic?
1: Uh, I wish. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that went very good. That, that was smooth. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, first try. <laughs> so our... Um, okay, in all seriousness, our topic today is about uh, knowledge silos. So... Uh, Essentially, what is a knowledge silo? It's when either an individual or a team or even a department is trapping information. Whether um, you know, let's assume not not in a malicious way. It could be maliciously, could be political. But like when that information is held within one person or group of people, uh, when it should be more readily accessible so that people can get it when they need it and eventually it's going to start blocking people from being able to 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 do their jobs
2: before we go too far can i ask for an explanation of the word silo like where did it come from for some kind of etymology because i remember i personally had to google this i was like why silo what the hell that is
0: as I I have always assumed, and I don't know for sure. I probably should have looked on Wikipedia at some point, but, like, screw that. that, that I that would shit expect you now.
2: to. I was like, he certainly did so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I would, uh, my guess would be that it's related to, like, a grain silo. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, where you're, so, you know, where you're storing all of your grain or whatever else, food and everything, away for the winter, you're kind of hiding it away.
2: Yeah, apparently knowledge as well. You just go there and stack it on top.
0: These days, you can have them for knowledge. Uh You can put 23 Lamborghinis in your silo. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, I wish I could play that now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so... um, I mean, I think... Every company has a knowledge silo to a degree. And I think all three of us have probably been a knowledge silo to some degree.
2: Uh, I certainly still am. 100%. Yeah, very likely I am. I think I am as
0: well. Um, So I think, like, let's maybe talk about, uh, I don't know if you guys have got any thing that comes to the top of your head when I say, like, hey, Italo, you are a knowledge silo. Like, what are you a knowledge silo of? Right. And how do you know that?
1: Right, I mean, if I would think about my current world today, um, there is a specific example that I can mention. Um, so I have a small team, right? I like small team, and within this team, I was probably the first one, and I've created a infrastructure which I have most knowledge of. Um, it's fairly well documented today, but it wasn't for a while. Um, but there are still little bits of, of the system that I am the only one that actually knows it. Uh, so there's a lot of people when, whenever we have a problem, they don't know exactly where to look for the problem. And then they're like, Hey, Italo, you know, what's going on here? Um, uh, especially like DNS problems. That's, uh, that's when they come to me as well. Uh, Kubernetes problems or, you know, anything related to that. You so they don't come really to me- need
2: more with this too. Like you own this done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, <laughs> that is, that is basically it. It is like, you own it and you know how to deal with it. Um, and the problem is because I always like, you know, like on the willing of helping people, I always try to solve the problem and I don't pass that knowledge along. So I know I am the holder of the knowledge, which means I am a knowledge silo for, for instance, how Kubernetes is set up today or how Istio is set up inside our Kubernetes, you know, uh, infrastructure. Um, even though everything that we do is on Terraform, which, you know, improves readability and it makes it as code, Uh, so people could easily go there and kind of figure it out how it works, but obviously nobody does that. So they come to what is easiest, which is asking me, Hey, do you know how to fix this? Can you fix this? Um, and then that's the point in time when I know, okay, I am a knowledge silo because I went on vacation, things went wrong. And I got a call in the middle of my vacation. Hey, something is not working and please fix this. I was like, yeah, sure. Yes. I luckily got my laptop with me and I was like, okay, cool. Could fix it. But that is like one example, right? Like there are other parts of the organization which I know I am a silo, knowledge silo. Um, but this is the one that comes to my mind right now. 100%. I think... Um...
0: Knowing that you can't go on holiday without taking your laptop is probably a very early sign. Yeah, absolutely, that, that you're an knowledge side. Absolutely, Something I agree. agree. Definitely. Also, I mean, you're saying people are coming to you; they're having questions. Do you um, do you ever get the same question multiple times?
1: I do actually. Yes, yeah. If we think about it.
0: And do you just have like uh, like either some documentation that you say, "Hey, like here it is," or do you have? I mean, in my case, I have a Slack order response saying, are you connected to the VPN? Um,
1: That's good. That's (laughs) good.
0: Because nine times out of 10, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) Are you connected to the VPN?
1: There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, recently I've created a knowledge base where I tried to put most of my, let's say, brain dump basically into it. Um, And that is working so far. Uh, We have this platform which you know you can easily search it's not like stack overflow that would be great but you know i love the idea of Stack. yeah that well would be amazing Just, yeah like I the really private like the version idea. would be great but we use what we have right so we have a version of it yeah and uh it, th- that works that works i mean it's working so whenever someone comes asking me a question and i know i haven't put it there then they go search and the best thing about it is that Even like, you know, when I, there is a very specific task, which is not automated. And sometimes AWS just kills a machine because, right? And I need to do something very manual there. And I never really got the time to actually automate it or, you know, the patience to automate it. I was like, okay, it's just a few lines of code, but these lines of code, I always forget. So I put in the, in the knowledge base now. And now I use the knowledge base to actually copy the freaking commands and then execute it in the machine whenever I need it. Um, Which means I am trying my best to put the knowledge in there. Uh, It's sort of working, but still sometimes, you know, people just come to me and I just do it because it's faster, but it's not the best way. Yeah.
0: I feel like we're all very statistically driven people and by that i mean we should probably increment a metric every time we're asked the same question
1: (laughs) yeah that would be great
0: ship it to prometheus
2: yeah (laughs) yeah and increment another metric every time you do something over and over and over again and And when you promise yourself like it's the last time (laughs) i'm automating (laughs) this tomorrow and you never do it
1: you never do that's the problem i said i said this million times for that task and i was like yeah i'm gonna automate it so easy never done it Still there.
0: I have one like that where the automation for one system, which happens to be the first system that I automated when I joined the company that I'm at, and the automation for that very first system that I did is obviously very different to all the rest because it was the first one I did, and then I learned from it and did all the rest. And I always take it down because I always oh, make a it's change always special. <laughs> propagates to all the rest yeah. automatically, but that's the special case. And I keep saying myself. it's been probably i don't know well over a year now when i keep saying to myself i should probably fix that i should probably make that like consistent with everything no nope.
2: it's like i have bash on my work laptop and zsh on my home machine and zsh is set by default to um save the history immediately so whatever you type in one terminal window you go to another window it's readily available there and if you kill all of them the history is already synced to your drive so you never lose it on my work laptop, it's Bash, and history is only synced when you kill it by default. And uh, every now and then I will restart it and I will lose a ton of history. And I would go mad and I would be like, the next free minute I have, I'm changing the settings. It's been a year and a half, <laughs> I think.
0: <laughs> Cheshire slash S done. Yeah. But no. Yep. Nope.
1: <laughs> that is basically it.
0: Yeah, so I, I think... Um, the the knowledge silos that we've talked about so far have been all kind of technical ones um and uh you know tool, tooling like terraform or whatever and i i definitely have this problem um there's also i'm not sure I'm not sure any of us actually have this problem right now but there's also the problem of knowledge knowledge silos when it comes to domain knowledge rather than technical knowledge
2: oh i think i think we do um, sometimes without yeah. really realizing this. It's like you can have a knowledge silo anywhere, right? When I was researching stuff, preparing to this talk, knowledge silos are like, it, it's a global thing. Companies yeah. have them since forever. Like it's a long-standing problem of humanity, like knowledge silos, people knowing things and for whatever reason, not letting others know or the information gets lost. There are actually things that... Humanity had to rediscover how to do, because like people who knew how to do things, they died. And then people had to reinvent the wheel, literally. Yeah. I, I don't really have particular examples, but I was reading a book recently and something like that was mentioned there. So yeah, it is uh, quite, a, quite an old problem.
1: On the ancient, ancient days, the way of passing that knowledge along was books, right? A lot of people would just write a lot of books and write the knowledge. Well, those
0: those people who could read and write. Yeah, of
1: course. Uh, especially church at Re- the time.
0: Reading and writing was already a knowledge silo. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, it was. It was exclusive. Um, but even if, if you think like most of today's humanity knowledge is because of things that were written by the church back in, I don't know, whatever, thousands years ago. Um, and... That was exclusive, like you said. Eventually, you know, things went to, you know, other people could like start reading those things and more people could start writing those things and then knowledge starts spreading. But the problem still is there, right? We still have knowledge silos up to these day, where we have information technology and still here.
0: I think in the case of the church, uh, oh man, never discuss religion on a podcast. Nope. I think in the case of the church, this was somewhat political, yeah. right? Because they wanted to be able to hide a lot of information. certain information or, or control certain Do you certain really have to for... keep
2: digging that hole?
0: I'm going somewhere with it, okay? All right.
2: Yeah, now there's <laughs> politics. Good luck.
0: No, they're trying to, they, you know, there was a, an attempt to control information for their own kind of political nefarious gains, Um won't go too much into specifically what information that was because that's when it gets a little bit thin ice, but yeah, um, whereas you know I don't necessarily think that I mean I'm a knowledge silo, right? I know I am, but it's not because I'm trying to hide information I, I yeah. really do not want to be a knowledge silo, I don't want people to, mm, to need so me. That's I don't want to
1: be where you are going with that, yeah, it's a different perspective, right.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I mean, I think that that kind of like political knowledge siloing can happen within an organization as well. Oh, definitely. Um, so I, them, I,
2: I hundred percent worked with people who were doing this, and I might have I, been doing this as well. I'm, I'm not.
0: I have a feeling we might be thinking of some of the same people. To be honest, uh, but, no, that's uh, uh, not. That's definitely yes, not that no. Yeah,
2: but I think in pretty <laughs> much every company I worked for, there were people, There were people like that, and again, I cannot say that. I've never done this. I definitely might have.
1: I mean, sometimes you don't want to disclose a certain kind of information for, you know, to not cause panic that happened. A lot of my decisions sometimes was not to inform a lot of people about things um, proactively because I didn't want them to, you know, get scared or something like that. And that was helpful. Afterwards, information came along through me anyways, but on the right time. So there is also the, the right time to release a specific set of information. You just have to know when. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I never thought about it from that point of view. But yeah, you're right, I guess. Well, I'm not sure how often that situation comes up in the context of working in a tech department at a company. Right. But certainly from like a political standpoint, sometimes, sometimes you can use your powers for good.
1: Yeah, totally. But coming back to yeah. the technical side of things and domain side of things, like you said... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean like domain, domain knowledge, like, like Maxine said, like, uh, there is, you can easily see that when you have a bigger organization with different teams, right? Like you have different teams with domain, very specific domain knowledge, and that is completely, you know, it's only for them and they have that knowledge. And if that team gets dissolved for whatever reason, uh, we have a problem because then you have to offboard a few services that goes to another team and there is zero documentation there is zero whatever transition period where people will try to you know um teach you like how 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 does this system work and and then you have a domain knowledge specifically um not sure how you solve that there's probably a tons of ways of doing it we, we're going to discuss this a little bit further but um this is one of the the things that i used to see when I used to work in a bigger organization, like N26, for instance, that was one very good example of very big organization, very fast pace, pace changing and, uh, keeping up to, you know, keeping up to documenting everything, everything that, you know, becomes so cumbersome and difficult to, you know, to actually keep like do it that nobody does it in the end.
0: I think honestly, um, that is that's perfectly understandable. But it is the way that most knowledge shadows are exactly. created in terms of you don't have the appetite to do all that documentation, yeah. especially when you're just starting out and when you're you know you're kind of throwing things together, you're you're hacking a little bit, you're you're trying to launch your first iteration, um, and you've only got you know three or four people working on the thing at that point anyway. So there's no point in doing documentation because the 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 business domain is small enough that it fits in everyone's right. heads at that point. I don't think um, there
2: is no point. I think there is a point. It's just we we think it's there is, okay, fine to yeah. go without it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's but not I mean, confuse at, you know, it, given, uh, ourselves and everyone else. There is a point. Yeah, no, okay, okay. I mean, there's always but, I mean, a point given, over I given, given the
0: context of, of what you're doing, it is not something that even like, gets onto your radar. Yeah, it totally feels like because,
2: something yeah. that you can go without, yeah.
0: Especially if you're, you know, if you're trying to launch very lean and you're trying to just validate a hypothesis.
2: Oh, yeah. How to, how to get you, lean? Let's chop off the documentation first and some other Well, things. not
0: necessarily. Like, if, you, you know, if, if all you're doing is, is trying to take your riskiest assumption and validate that assumption there might not be enough to document because you are taking an assumption that you don't know whether it's going to stand the test of time anyway. You're, you're just trying to validate, can we sell this?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, and, you know, before too long, you've done four or five of those and then you're like, oh, you know, damn it, now we have a product. Yeah. Uh, and no documentation and probably, you know, more no people coming in. And, no CI and 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 now we're hiring and we have to onboard people on this. And we're trying to be cross-functional, but we can't be because, you know, as soon as you try and add cross-functional teams to that, which are, I believe are a very good idea, but as soon as you add that to it, then someone has all the knowledge when it comes to the front end, at least in, you know, in the early days, eventually you have like enough front enders that it's not a silo anymore. But in the early days, you might have like one front end guy, you might have, you know, one person who is is doing uh, payments or billing.
2: Yeah, just to kind of drop a bomb here, I think you can still have a silo or this knowledge may be considered sitting in the silo, even if, uh, as you were saying, you have enough front enders, but if no one else knows anything about what this huge group of front enders is doing, this also might be a problem sooner or later. Well, and if
0: there's a problem on the front end and you can't get, as I'm very familiar with, if there's a problem on the front end and you're woken up at three o'clock in the morning and you're like, well, now I need a front ender. <laughs> Which has happened to me
1: fair enough but i have I have a question though um so let's say that we have a big organization, right multiple teams, we're all working in different parts of the system, and you have one team which has knowledge about one specific part, right? another team doesn't. they have a knowledge about something else. When do you know that you don't have a silo anymore right like when do you, when is the boundary where you say Okay, I have this team. This team is big enough. I have, you know, like three backenders in it, three frontenders in it. They know everything about this domain. Is that a knowledge silo still? Or is that distributed enough that people know how to deal with things?
0: Hmm. I hmm. that's a really good question. Because I think dependencies are fine. Right. Right. Obviously you wanna you wanna manage your dependencies very carefully. You wanna minimize them um in terms of when they become blockers to day-to-day work or kind of add steps onto the, the process right. to, to delivering any value. Um, see also, well, the whole concept of DevOps. But uh, for example, you, know, you, you might not, uh, taking billing as an example, you might not need to know everything that happens in billing. The question is, is there one guy who is the billing guy and if he's, you know, even within that, that billing team, you, you might not, you're not in the billing team. You don't necessarily need to know how payments mm-hmm. works, how your, um, connection to Stripe or whatever works, but do that? Is uh, is that information disseminated well enough within that team that, you know, you can go there and chat to anyone in that team. Right.
1: That's, that's what I try to or is the there
0: fun. the one guy there that, that is the silo of that team? And if he takes a holiday, then everything stops.
1: Yeah. Right. That's, in my opinion, that's what it, when I think there is a silo, right? If you have a, a team where everybody knows, even if not in depth, but they know enough about what's going on in that in their own domain, and I work in another team and I have a question and I go there and they answer it because they know it, awesome. And you know you can go... to Anyone.
0: Down, okay, we can't do it now
1: because... It's 2020, right.
0: but if you go down to anyone's desk and, and whoever is there will be able to help
1: you. Yeah, exactly. If, if that happens, I think we don't really have a silo, right? You have, you have teams responsible for domains, which as it should be, and you can just go there and ask a question to anybody, and anybody will try their best to answer the question um, because they know. Uh,
0: and if they don't know off the top of the head, they know how to find exactly. that information.
1: Yeah. Then they have whatever other ways of finding that information quickly and helping you out. That's that, great. That I think, I think is, that's is, not a is the
2: key point when there is a place where they can go and find that information. Because right. Italo, you mentioned big organizations before. And there, uh, we all know things happen that teams uh, get dissolved and new teams yeah. get created and your team might get a bunch of projects uh, to maintain from now on. And if there is no documentation, the only option you have is to go and talk to that team, but that team might not be available at all. It may be scattered. People yeah. might be sent to uh, places I mean, when you have remote teams,
1: right? When you have remote teams. Time zones as well. Yeah, yeah. everything. Time zones.
2: Um, Sometimes think... big projects get canceled and people get laid off. Like the whole team might be laid off in one right. day. And then if but there then... is...
0: So what if nobody knows? What if what if you don't even know whether somebody knows and who that somebody might be? What if this is something that that like three CTOs ago <laughs> he wrote this right at the beginning, yeah. and and uh, honestly, it's a freaking mess because you know he he's he should have been CTOing instead of rolling his face on the keyboard and um, making making JavaScript happen or whatever. I guess
1: you deal but, with it. Seriously, yeah, what, what, what else can say, you like, what else can you do? You have to figure it out right there's there's no other option if there is nothing you can rely on written anywhere, you have to be the one that actually figures out and then write it right like that's
0: well i th- I think you also you also need to identify you need to know what you don't know
1: yeah uh but for that, you need to know what you're looking for
0: so you know for for example, let's say you have i'm I'm going to keep picking on billing here yeah. let's say you have a billing system and Um, whoever made that is no longer with the company for whatever reason. And, uh, but it takes a long, you know, they, they haven't been there for two or three years, but the billing has been fine. They've never had any issues with it. Wow. This is really a fairy tale. I'm
2: saying (laughs) that there is this little run book. Everyone follows, they restart PHP every now and then and things (laughs) keep working.
0: Right. But then what if you think that somebody is looking after that? You don't know that, that, you know, there might be a billing team, but you don't know that nobody knows how this particular integration with this particular,
2: uh-huh.
0: like with like Braintree, for example, like that Braintree integration has always been fine. No one's ever touched it. And now, you know, you don't, you don't even know that there's a problem there.
2: Sometimes you don't even know that the integration is there.
0: Oh, that,
1: it's, yeah. It's, yes, you, you're
2: going like, oh, we just fixed but, this little piece and then so something said, entirely different breaks.
1: You said like, you don't even know there is a problem there. But if it's a serious problem, don't you think everybody would know? Somehow. Either customers won't be able to check out or uh, the accounting system will, will be completely off on the reports. That's not how you want to find that's out. That's not though. how you want to find out. But that's the only way you will find no, out, right? Because that, there's no docs. That's the way to
2: know about the issue. Right. And it it's, it's actually going to be amazing if the issue happens. That's how you know that there is a component that you knew nothing about. Five seconds ago. Right. I guess what Kieran is asking is, like, how do you know of these things?
1: Before, Be- before the issue happens? And
2: even if the issue happens still, how do you figure it out? The issue happening only shows you that, hey, now there is this thing that is broken. Right. What do you do next?
0: If there's... I, w- I mean, I'm, I'm coming at it more from the beam proactive angle than the... I mean, I, I, you're, you guys are right, you know, like, like... So, Stuff explodes. You go fix it. Like you know, you you shut up and you deal with it, and you go have a postmodern later on, and you figure out like how do we stop this from happening again? But it's just about, um, you know, let's say that in your organization now, it's low that you. Um, I'm picking on you a little bit, but never that's mind. Fine. Let's say, <laughs> let's say that in your organization now, that this is the case, you have a time bomb somewhere. There is X Y Z system that's been there for years longer than you've been there, mm-hmm. and.
1: How do you Right know
0: now you'll sat there and it, it might go, it might explode at any moment, but you don't know. It could be exploding right now, but you don't even know it exists.
1: Yeah. I have, I have a good example of that in the current organization that I work. There is this, there is a system that bridges between Shopify and our ERP system, right? Nobody knows about it. Mm-hmm. We just knew that orders were going from Shopify to the ERP system and getting to their customers somehow. Um, I've been there for like a year. Never knew this existed. It was always working. Um, one day, because I was looking into the code, just because I found out this name of the specific ERP system that I don't want to mention, but I saw the ERP system there, I was like, what what is that? And then I start digging and searching through the code, what is that? And trying to figure out what was happening. And then I saw, oh, we have an endpoint for a webhook of Shopify. So he calls. This webhook and then this calls whatever other ERP system we have and synchronize the order, whatever. And we have this cron job here, which was hidden away because I never looked into it. And
0: because it could have been in any one of the like 23 cron tab files that were in right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And I was like, okay, cool. So we have this cron job here and you know, we have it and it synchronizes back whatever status of the order we have in the ERP system back to the Shopify. So the customer is get informed. I was like, I I didn't even know this existed for a year. Luckily, this never broke, even with the increasing order numbers we had. I was like, okay, this, this is fine, but now I know it exists. So, I wrote a little bit about it and how the integration works and everything. And after it, well, a few months after it, our PO came to us. It was like, well, you know, you know Shopify, we have orders going to Switzerland and there is this weird switzerland addresses which are being completely messed up can you fix it like i can because i know where it is <laughs> i actually can luckily i um, know yeah so that was a, a lucky shot right this normally doesn't happen if you don't look for it i was just navigating the code throughout and find out the, the erp system name and got interested and then start digging a little bit into it and figure it out the whole the whole architecture of that specific piece, um, I don't know if if I wasn't curious enough, if that would ever happen. Probably not. I would just read the name. And I was like, "Yeah, cool, move along." Probably Let me not. fix my, my task.
2: Sometimes you're just too busy to notice these things. Like, also, oh.
1: exactly, and, and that's that's the point I'm trying to make. Like sometimes you're either too busy to, you know, dig into the whatever dark pieces of code you have in your code base or system. Or you don't have the interest to do this at all. You're taking care of your own business and you're like, yeah, well, I'm fine with this. In those cases, it's going to be super hard for you to proactively find out what's going on in the rest of the system that you don't know, right? Well,
0: unless you're you know, you're going through some kind of event storming or something like that. Right. And you just notice, That's, Hey, like there's a big, there's a big question mark, post-it note here in the middle of
1: all of this, How like does this we work? should probably figure
2: that yeah. out. <laughs> a question about that. Was it, was there any documentation about this? Was there a diagram somewhere?
1: Right. or so something. I, I searched a little bit in our confluence, um, uh, wiki and I saw something about it, but it was something from like 2000, I don't know, 2016, it was already out of date. I was like, okay, someone tried to write this in the very, very beginning. And this went through a few evolutions. And now it's in a state where there is no docs really saying how the state of that piece of software is, um, until I found out and then wrote a little bit about it. Uh, Now we have something, not state of art, but we have something.
0: Yeah. We actually had a, a meeting earlier today about how out of, um, well, wasn't necessarily specifically about this but it came up that out of date docs are a worse than no docs at all mm, confusing and b dangerous yeah they can
1: be super because misleading you, because you you make assumptions yeah. totally yeah yeah bad docs is is definitely worse than no docs at all so
0: documentation aside because i really do think that we could do an hour on documentation honestly
1: Agreed. Um, yeah.
0: I'm not, I'm not sure how much I want to, but we could. Yeah, that,
1: I would say that. <laughs>
2: yeah, without even mentioning Atlassian.
0: Oh, no.
1: Yeah, it, impossible.
0: <laughs> we'll have to get them to sponsor it first. <laughs> I want <won>, I <laughs> 500,000 euros from Atlassian if we're going to talk about Confluence. <laughs> I'll do it. Everyone
1: has a price. Oh, yeah. No, I'll, I'll totally do it. I love sure. Atlassian now. <laughs>
0: Um but what can we do about knowledge silos other than document? Because ultimately I don't think documentation works. I, I right it helps, but it's not it, it's not the solution. I mean, there's
1: there's a lot of things we can we can try to you know replace, not replace but complement documentations with. Um I don't know if you remember, uh you probably do. Remember uh the project where we were trying to spread Kubernetes in HelloFresh? <laughs> right. Yes, I do. We were the knowledge silo, right? Like, cause we build the thing. And if it wasn't for us trying to spread out via training or tech talks or Friday, how was the name of that? Fr- oh,
0: Christ. Geek Friday. Geek, Geek, Geek Fridays, Friday. Yeah. There
1: we go. For everybody that doesn't know what Geek Friday is, Geek Fridays were amazing in the beginning where... We were trying to say things like technical things to our tech teams and then eventually other other departments start to join as well. And they would get interested on what are what what is the tech team actually working on. Um, So that was that was cool. So we use those, you know, those, let's say, forums to try to spread the knowledge, uh, other than just documentation, right? We had some documentation, I'm not going to say it's it It's kind best. of making
0: it more engaging and, it was, yeah. and meaning that the, the knowledge goes to people. They don't have to put any effort yes. in to, to, to join a tech talk and sit there and listen to it. And, and I mean, I, me and you did a lot of them together right. and we made it entertaining as well. Yeah. So that was also like... In that context. And, and there was beer.
2: Beer that I think it's yeah. the, the yeah. biggest difference. It's It's fun. To get it's information fun. that way, it's, yeah. it's definitely much more fun than reading any kind of document.
1: Absolutely,
0: I think I think the style of communication and this this even down to documentation, like you, it's it's difficult to, um, it's difficult to overstate how important having a solid technical writer is.
1: Um, oh yeah, like yeah. So, like yeah.
0: being able to keep it engaging. Yes. Um, so that people do actually read it. But ultimately, you you can only store so much information in your head. I'm not going to go to our um, notion or whatever. It doesn't matter what tool, but I'm not going to go to it now and just read everything because it's not going to stick in my head, even right. if it doesn't matter how fun it is to read. It's, it's kind right. of there to not be in my head. Yeah, I, It's to be an external brain.
2: I, I yeah. think the same principle of like you don't know what you don't know is at play here when you go to a gig friday you aren't specifically looking for documentation on the subject x you're like huh mm. yeah let's see what's what's going to be there i mean sometimes yeah. there is an announcement beforehand but anyway it's like huh all right i would never read about this ever but let's see what they have to say
1: yeah yeah
0: exactly it also came down to i mean we noticed again we probably should have like gathered metrics on this or on attendance <laughs> or something but um, we noticed that when we po- we posted a lot and essentially did marketing for it, like, hey, there's going to be a talk tonight. There's a lot of emojis in my message. And it's all about like this stuff. Isn't it exciting? Versus, you know, if someone else is doing a talk and, and they would just be like, yo, my talk's starting. You want to come down now?
1: Oh, yeah. A little bit of like, preparation. It
0: definitely made a big yeah. difference to attendance. And I think like being, knowing how to communicate, even if it is just, you know, going on Slack, whatever, like hashtag developers channel you've got or whatever and just at here here is some information that i think is important enough for me to do and at here with emojis and with like well written and with like bold bits and just like split it out into paragraphs and, and everything i think that that makes a big difference like the style of communication makes a big difference yeah i mean uh, i'm putting it in multiple places as well like making sure that people cannot miss it i mean going back to that that kubernetes project that we had at low we um you know, we did the tech talks, uh-huh. we yelled on Slack, we sent out emails, we, I don't even remember what else we did. We had- I remember making posters for something yeah. like, it, we, we yeah. even had
1: stickers and stuff like that.
0: We had, yeah, we had stickers. We had a logo. Yeah. Like the, you know, also the, the, I the think kind of having people
2: who are also interested in the same topic yeah. Being part of other teams, they will go to their teammates and will like, hey, let's go because the thing is interesting and explaining
0: and blah, 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 to blah. them why they should be interested. Whether the, I mean, in the case of Kubernetes, it was a bit like because it gives you these benefits and right. it's cool and exciting, and you guys and girls are going to be able to like look after your own application running in production because you're going to have this lovely like Helm charts folder within your repository and you can do everything without asking us. Hooray! Yeah, also yeah, I think
1: um, I think there was a lot of excitement because. First of all, it was a very awaited product. Like everybody really wanted that to come out eventually. Um, mm-hmm. And also we promoted, I, I would say fairly well, um, which which was a privilege to be honest. Like, cause we, not every company can actually have that privilege of, you know, investing time to promote a product that you're doing. At the stage that we were at, you know, at HelloFresh, at the size that we were, we had that privilege and and we make use of it, which was totally great. Now, if we would give advice to other people, which are in companies that are not at that stage, and you know if they want to go down other roads aside from documentation, if you have a you know if you have a forum where you can go and say, give a tech talk and do like some shouting on Slack, like you said, with some emojis and trying to be a little bit more engaging, um, that would definitely improve things for sure. Even webinars, you know, like if you record something yes. that is great like if you're in a remote team that is probably the best thing you can go to like it's right really now really
0: something I want to experiment with I haven't played that much with Yeah, them, me I neither. they could um, be huge.
1: I think it's great if you can you know it's it's something that can be easily updated and also something that is great for onboarding if you have webinar uh, especially like hey setting up my development environment. Oh god, that would save us a lot of time. Um that those things are a little bit more engaging than just documentation, and also more inclusive if you're actually thinking about you know some visual impaired people and and so on and so forth. That is way more inclusive sometimes mm-hmm. than just documentation and badly written documentation. So yeah,
2: some people it's just easier for them to uh, consume content when it's in the form of presentation or video or yeah. someone uh, talking to them rather than Absolutely. reading. Things there is, let's exactly. say, dyslexia and all other kinds of things that prevent people from easily consuming content, or
0: just kind of non-native English speakers as well. Like yeah. you know, uh, being able to being able to see my screen as I'm doing something is way more useful than me writing documentation oh, 100%. saying like, "Hey, now you 100%. should do the yeah. the DNS
2: something something." And, and another thing, quite often, I don't even know how to express what I do in text. And just right. writing the whole <laughs> page do, right? of pictures of like snapshots of my CLI or making the video of it and putting this on a documentation
1: right. page yeah, feels I mean,
2: stupid as well. So if you're showing if you this don't have, in real time it's is, great. Yeah, it is great.
1: No, no, if no you don't matter, have like, actually even, you know, enough budget to have like a technical writer or something, uh, investing on Webinar, it's, it's probably the best thing you can do. It's great
0: and i think i think even at that point as well um there are certain assumptions that that you can make like if you know let's say you're debugging some issue or something and you you can i can make the assumption cuz i know our infrastructure and i understand how networking works or something and i can say okay like i know that the issue is between this and this i i you know i can already narrow that down just through my own experience and intuition and and everything like I I can kind of tell where it is. And I think you can kind of demonstrate that a lot better if you're kind of talking through the problem as you're solving it versus trying to write everything down as you go. Yeah. Like assumptions. Yeah. And you
2: get feedback immediately when you're writing stuff, you're kind of like boiling there in your own pot of thoughts and things. And you, have all the context, and is usual, you assume that, hey, I read my own documentation, it's super clear, like, people should definitely understand this. But when you're showing them how to do stuff, and they go like, hey, what was that, and how did you do this, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that's so much better, even for the presenter themselves. Totally. Uh, on the topic of uh, technical writers, anyone mm. ever seen this really happening in, yeah. the let's say normal sized company, not like Pentagon, where they definitely have <laughs> a bunch of these people on staff or big companies, they definitely have them big. I mean, like huge, let's say, I don't know, Intel yeah. or something. I Anyone mean, ever seen this happening and being effective? Because if there yeah, is a company the of 300 people, I cannot imagine that they will hire, let's say, more than two technical writers.
0: Well, um, well, I mean, I, I've never worked anywhere where I've seen it happening, seen. but I know that um to name drop a couple of companies, uh DigitalOcean, HashiCorp, like these guys have technical writers. And it shows because the quality of their documentation is very high.
2: Here's here's the big difference, or not the difference, but the big point about these guys. They do sell products that need documentation. This is different.
0: Sure. They are writing the public yes.
2: so so they have to have technical writers. Let's right. talk about I companies would hope that, that
0: internally their documentation
1: is just as good. Though, I, I hope it is, but filter through. Let's the talk about yeah.
2: the company that does not
1: sell so service that needs I documentation. Worked, when I worked at N twenty six, we hired two technical writers, and but there was a there was a purpose for this, and that was regulation. Not really. Uh, they they yeah, weren't that's exactly kind of similar
2: to what, what the re- same reasoning DigitalOcean and others have,
1: right? We we hired someone there because it would enable us to first of all have better documentation when you know translating to more from technical terms to more in the understandable terms for regulators, and this person know knew how to do this very well. Um, but that, the the purpose was not to improve the documentation for other developers. It was to improve the documentation for regulators and also put it in the right format and everything else. Um, so but, but Did we it have an someone. effect
0: on that though? Did it, did it trickle down to the documentation that you were writing
1: internally? Oh yeah, it did. Yes, it did. Definitely. So, mm. I mean, after like this person had a lot of good experience on writing documentation and when she used to write these things out, um, everybody would read it and it was easily digestible, even though it was a very heavy subject, it was easily di- digestible and, um, you could easily understand what she's talking about. Um, So that was effective to a point. But again, the whole point is that we didn't hire a technical writer for other developers, but he has to fill a gap where, you know, for for the regulations that we had to meet. Yeah, that's what the point I'm trying to make here
2: is I'm hearing about these technical writers for the last 15 years or so, and I think every company I worked for ever Excluding maybe the small ones that I started at. We're dreaming of hiring a technical writer, but no one ever right. did. And I guess it's just expensive. It is. So I, I, at some point, decided with a bunch of friends that we're never going to have one. So we're not waiting for a technical writer. And I would advise others to do the same because, yeah. as kind of experience shows, you're not going to get one except when you really need to deliver documentation as part of your product, which makes you money or you need to be regulated, mm. which in turn brings money on the table.
1: Yeah. I mean, totally. Like if, if you're, if you're listening and you're a technical writer, good for you. Cause it's super hard. Whatever you do is super hard to do. Uh, and if you do it right, you're gonna, you're gonna earn the trust from a lot of people. Um, so don't get us wrong. <laughs> Definitely, oh, there yeah, is yeah. a place no. for, for you for every technical writer somewhere. there. I admire what you do. You, but all it's super, it's are super important. People. People.
2: Yeah, that, it just...
1: yeah, it's super important that we know when to have a technical writer or for what specifically. Right there, there is a purpose. Otherwise, and I, th- I think a
0: lot of companies say, "Hi, hey, we could hire another developer for that money." Like, why? Why yeah, would we?
1: Y- y- yeah, exactly. That's basically what happens.
0: But ultimately, a technical writer is is. Well, the definition of 10x, right? Where they're, you know, they are ma- able to make 10 developers twice as good. Yes. So, yeah. Precisely. I, I don't know how the maths works. How, how, how do you maths? <laughs> Whatever. How, however that
1: maths works. I use BC most of the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> In hexadecimal, it was correct. It's fine.
1: Let's pretend it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. I want to come back to something you said, like, I I don't know, like 40 minutes ago at this point, Italo, which was, uh, you you brought up as well that a lot of the time people are coming to you with questions when they could just go and look at what you've written because you mentioned Terraform, but essentially it's a declarative, um, kind of syntax that that it's written in, whether that's Terraform or, uh, like Helm charts or how, you know, however. Um and i think it's it's so important and again one of the reasons why we were successful when we were trying to push uh, kubernetes previously it's so important to have to to stand on the shoulders of giants and use kind of well-known tooling um oh yeah plus plus if it's open source but even even without that like it, it does be, help. Ha- being able to lean on the documentation that is already there for the tooling that you know so you can say hey like we're going to tell you how it works within our business context and the the decisions and trade offs we've made to to deliver this to you yeah. in our business. But for the majority of stuff, you can go to the documentation for you know you can go to Terraform.io or Kubernetes.io also io, io I think yeah. and um,
1: like, and you figure it out basically yeah yeah definitely like if you use well known especially open source solutions that that will definitely help because more people will be able to contribute faster to it which is great but Mm -hmm. um you know what what i really like about terraform specifically and i don't want to get too much into technology but this specifically is uh, shines a little bit um is because today if you get to where i work Lycan, and you go straight to the infrastructure repository that we have for aws and you read it you know how our infrastructure works completely, like end-to-end, which is, which is amazing. That's like, look, I don't know, look 10 years ago or five years ago even. That wasn't there. You had to figure it out by either documentation or talking to a specialist which was working on it and and boom, then you know it. But today, you can just look at whatever piece of code you have and you it out how the whole infrastructure is set up as long as everything is automated. That's not get carry away, but... If you have that privilege, awesome, because then a lot of people will be able to enjoy it much quicker.
0: I think having standardization across stuff helps. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. Terraform kind of removes the need for this, but, um, outside of the context of Terraform, if, if all of your applications are deployed in the same way, if everything is a helm chart and it all follows like roughly the same, um, naming conventions drink and, uh, and whatever else, um, You know, you that you can go to any application and work on it, and there. I mean, there's been one case. Do Do you guys remember working on the image resizer tool that had uh, two Ansible playbooks? One of which was to deploy the server, and then the other one was to deploy the application.
1: Yeah, Yeah, this was a
2: very good example of of how you do infrastructure.
0: How not to do it? Yeah, but um, you know, or I mean, I don't know how to deploy my website. (laughs) I genuinely cannot, I don't know where it's deployed or how to deploy it. It was, and, it was a mystery. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, because I did it all by hand. Like I clicked around in, I don't even, I don't right. know. Maybe it's DigitalOcean. Maybe it's, maybe it's not, but I, I think it might be Google Cloud. I'm not sure. I clicked around everywhere and I've no idea how it got there. <laughs> and now it's there. <laughs> I never automated any of it. And of course, like your own, um, your own soft, your own website is always the one that you half ask because you. Right like trying you know you're like oh i'll be able to figure it out later on and then you know two years later you can't <laughs> but uh <laughs> but like do, doing it the same way as everything else or failing that having something declarative or automated that you can go and look at and you know okay like i can figure it out because because i have a ci pipeline that that and i can just go read this and okay yes i have to go read 100 lines of YAML, lines of yaml oh no but it will be obvious from reading that Right. Yeah, I think that that helps in some cases way more than documentation. And it also,
1: I I think, makes
2: it easier. We're kind of talking about solving a different problem here. So there's there's one goal that you have among others when you're trying to figure out that uh, how something works, some new system to you, is a, a how it is done. Yes, the code will tell you what is going on and how things are connected. However, most not most, but quite often, you also want to know the intention. Like, hey, this thing has this timeout set to this value. Your code, no matter how amazing this is, would never let you know why it's there. Why it's there, sometimes even what for. For instance, a small example, just this day, my teammate had to increase timeout on an ALB because we have... uh, Piece of software that does like long running requests. I think we had to set it to like 15 minutes or even 20 minutes. So the, the web browser will be waiting for the response from the web server for this much time. You look at the code, it's just one number. You'd never know what, why is it, why this well, number and is not. If that I saw hard. a
0: timeout for 15 minutes, I would. I mean, I would assume that there's a good reason behind it. But then again, that that's like the kind of thing that you don't know who to even
2: go yeah, to. Yeah, it might also look like a mistake. So the point I'm trying to make, yeah. uh, even if I agree with it low, Terraform is amazing and it does a good job. Uh, also, in explaining you how the infrastructure is set up, it's still far from everything. It's actually very little piece, I would say. It's very important piece. It's the piece that we never had before. I agree, but it's far from everything.
1: Yeah, it's not everything, but it's good enough for what we have today. But it's... So it's been... Yeah, it's... Uh, on, that, on that note, just to compliment that, um, like code that you write, there's so much to compliment. I think it deserves a, another podcast, but basically like even Git commits, how you write your Git commits we were explaining intention. Um, so it really depends how much you want to put intention on what you do so you can either comment on your code you can write proper git commits with intention you can write proper prs you can complement on documentation so there is a a whole new topic that that we can discuss which would cover intention but i agree it's something important to to also have it
0: i definitely want to have that conversation that that one sounds that one sounds much more interesting than the documentation topic oh yeah we we can do that yeah
2: and as much as people hate writing documentation. atlassian don't even have to bribe me yeah as much as people hate writing documentation we force them to write git commits so right
0: (laughs) yeah but that doesn't stop people from just writing 600 git commits that whip
2: whip Whip. yeah that's what i'm trying not to think of yeah
0: okay so uh shall we wrap this thing up maybe uh, yeah. we maybe we can have a tip each on how to either know when you are in a bad situation with knowledge silos or or a tip on how to avoid them um yep. i mean i can go first while you guys think of something uh but my my one would be understand your system know your infrastructure know what talks to what and if you don't know it, go and try and figure it out. So know, okay, this part of the system has to talk to this microservice, which has to talk to whatever third party, and, and just understand all those steps there. Because that, w- when you're trying to solve a problem, knowing where to look is probably more than half of the of the
1: challenge. That's that's a good point. Um, I mean, for me, well, first of all, don't take your laptop on vacation. <laughs> 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 But seriously, like, um, I think I can just second what you, what you just said. Like I have thirst and that that's myself specifically, I have a thirst for, for, you know, getting to know what am I dealing with? And I start digging so much into it that eventually I will figure it out stuff, but this is because but I, like I feel
0: it. blind if I feel blind, if I don't do yeah, this. right.
1: There's something missing there. And, uh, yeah. And, and I have this, I have this, uh, you know, thirst to go after this, but and if you do have that, great, follow your instincts and do it. Um, if you don't at least invest, invest in some sort of a knowledge dump, either via docu- good written documentation or webinars. I love webinars. I I really want to invest more on that. Um, or tech talks or, you know, whatever other mean you can, you can find out. But try to spread the knowledge somehow. Don't just sit there and wait for the day when you're going to need that information. Then you look for it and, whoa, I don't have it or I forgot how it works. So put it somewhere or, you know, record something, but pass that knowledge along. That's, that's, I think it's what I would do. Yeah. My advice is kind of from the opposite side
2: of oh, the other side of the wall, rather. Uh, if you're the one who people usually come for knowledge to. I'm pretty sure you are the knowledge silo. And as much as we encourage others to be thirsty for knowledge and trying to extract this from us, uh, we also, as uh, people, uh, holders of knowledge, I believe can do much better job in disseminating this knowledge in totally. any possible way, uh, be proactive in writing things down and letting others know how things work. And I think important part, which uh, might start another big conversation, uh, if you're constantly just uh, doing things for people rather than explaining to them how things work, they will never get this knowledge from you. Yeah. If you're just always going to be that one that as as a good book, plus with a pair of a good book with a pair of hands that not only tells you how to do things but also does things for you, uh, they never going to take this knowledge from you, and you will be the knowledge silo constantly. Which then all the other things come with it, such as burnout and uh, not, that can be difficult yeah, as n- well because you you want to be helpful. Yes, that yeah. that's why. Uh,
0: but actually, you're not helping. And it feels like you are in the short term, but in the long term, you're not helping.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It's, That's the point I, I think we've you... all been doing this for a yeah. while. and
0: I think I'm still doing this. It's, it's I'm difficult. definitely yeah, it's doing difficult. this.
2: I, I did this today. It's, it's so difficult. It's a bunch of things. It's the kick that you get from solving whatever. It's also, I guess, maybe even to show off every now and then way. In, mm-hmm. in in a it's the way.
0: quickest thing. Quite often it's the quickest thing. You you know, you, you just, okay, like you have a problem, you're blocked by it and I'm going to oh, fix oh, it also for that, you.
2: Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. I, I want people to be more productive. And uh, funnily yeah. enough, the team I'm a member of is called the productivity team. So our job <laughs> is to make people more productive. And quite often what I do is exactly the opposite of what I should be doing. (laughs) I just unblock them as quick as possible. But then, yeah, it's definitely not the most optimal way.
0: Okay, so you have been listening to the Critical Channel. Uh, This was uh, our episode on knowledge silos. Uh, You can find the show notes for this episode at criticalchannel.io slash six. And you can find us on Twitter at uh, criticalio. Criticalio. And we will catch you next time in a couple of weeks. Bye. All right. Ciao. Ciao.